Welcome to the Good Fight Radio Show, a program dedicated to bringing you vital and uncompromised truths that you won't hear in the mainstream media, discussing contemporary issues in light of the Bible and how these issues relate to family, culture, and the church. The heart of this show is to glorify Jesus Christ and expose the works of darkness as he is commanded in Ephesians 5.11. Now here's your host, Good Fight Ministries' own Chad Davidson. Welcome back to the Good Fight Radio Show. I'm your host, Chad Davidson of Good Fight Ministries. And with me, as always, is the show's producer, Tony Palacio. How are you doing today, bro? I am super blessed. And uh, thanks to Big Jim, our friend, I have a nice big chocolate chip cookie in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's really nice. Now, I am uh, typically keto but uh, because uh, we were celebrating... Um, my birthday, uh, I did eat some some sugar that he brought as well. I won't tell anybody. Flourless cake. I'm still gluten free because of my wife, but uh, I should probably tell that story. Otherwise, people are thinking like my wife tells me what I can eat. That's right. not the case. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, my wife has Hashimoto's disease, so she can't eat uh, gluten. And when we were courting, I had uh, made some gluten free cookies at a friend's house, but I had also eaten pizza on my plate. And um, I, you know, put the gluten-free cookies on the thing, didn't think a big deal. She's eating her gluten-free cookies, everything's fine. And then um, the next day she was wiped out for like 16 straight hours. She couldn't even get out of bed. So I said, hey, we're going to get married one day, so I won't eat gluten. So I stopped eating gluten. Man, I'm getting older every year, you know, (laughs) I don't know, like a decade ago. So I don't eat gluten. So that's what that's in reference to. Speaking of gluten, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I guess speaking of leaven, um, no, I, I was recently looking at a discussion and sometimes I like to do this. I stand, I can, you know, you know, look at what people are saying online. And it was actually interesting enough. It was a couple of football players that were talking some theology. And I said, wow, this is really interesting. Let me see what they are saying. And it's so it's so sad to me. When you watch one person talking and you're just like, and they're just like helping them to say, yeah, it's good just to bring up these ridiculous claims and this is totally fine. Like, this is really cool. Robert Griffin III, who went to Baylor University. But uh, <laughs> you're, you're seeing that and you're just like, okay, like, can you at least try to point him in the right direction? I don't know. Anybody can interpret things different ways, da, 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 da. And it's interesting because we're going to talk about this because I'm going to read what he said and then I'm going to show you what it's from the actual text, what text it's from, so you guys get a better understanding of where this idea comes from. But this is not something that is not popular in this day and age. This has been happening for a number of years. If you've turned on the Discovery Channel, the History Channel. History Channel, yeah. History Channel. It's History Channel, not Discovery Channel, I think. Um, The History Channel, you might have seen this, right? If you've seen the Da Vinci Code, right? Uh, And so forth, you might hear of nonsense. And I'm excited because you get to hear on the Good Fight Radio Show, one of the top scholars on the planet talk about this subject. I'm not talking about me, obviously. I'm not a scholar. (laughs) But uh, Dr. Craig Evans, we had him on recently, and we'll be posting that. Pretty soon, probably in a week or so. Yeah, in a week or so. And then we actually will have the whole video. We'll have a video version of it as well on Good Fight Ministries. You guys get to check that out soon enough. The full hour-long video, maybe a few clips or something that we might put together. So that'll be really, really exciting. But I think some people hear stuff and don't have any idea where it came from. And it's really, really important for us to understand. And then something that happens, and, and I don't know why it is this way, 
But something that happens when people are studying theology, when people are studying the scriptures, when people are studying this, but I, I don't want to say unlearned, untrained men, as as Paul mentioned, or I'm sorry, as Peter mentioned in Second Peter three uh, concerning those who butcher Paul's writings. Um, but I, I I want to I I want to say this: something that takes place is that it's almost like half of the brain is checked at the door. And it's like, we don't just think of things logically. I remember Joe talking about when he first went back to college after he got saved and he was in a class and they said, yeah, you know, when you read the, the Genesis account, there's multiple accounts of creation. And he's like, just logically, why would you think that some, the same person is writing this and they counteract each other in the same two chapters? Not that they're giving different points of emphasis or something, but, it, you know, stuff like that where you're like, this is so simplistic that if we just simply looked, read, and understood like we should and looked at things in context and, and properly, I think that a lot of the really bad questions would be thrown, stepped on, and, you know, flushed down a toilet. But either way, so here's what was said. This was by Ronnie Staley. He's a lineman for the Ravens. He said, so some say Jesus actually secretly told Judas to betray him. He already knew what had needed to happen for salvation to be possible. They say he's actually the most noble disciple of them all because he gave up his life and reputation for the divine plan to happen. What are your thoughts? So some say, who are they that say? That's what I need to first know. Who are are the people that are saying this. Because I think what is being mixed up here is not only folklore, but also something that is being mixed up here is an understanding of God and time and foreknowledge and so forth. Also, later in other discussions, they go when he continues with this discussion, later the understanding of, of foreknowledge and, and understanding how things work individually, how each person, how God can still work through the free will of man and bring about his plan. But I'll get to that a little bit later. But I want to talk about this, and this gives us a great starting point to discuss whether Judas was saved, one, people, some people believe he was saved, whether he was the most noble of all the disciples, and whether Jesus told him to betray him. Because, first of all, when somebody says, some say, we have to ask, who are the some that say it, Mm -hmm. Tony? That's right. I think it's really, really important because if we simply are just saying that, let's actually put a name to it, you know? Let's actually say, hey, these scholars say this. This person says this. Because that is mightily important to understanding where the credibility lies. Do you want to know who the some that say it are? The sum you could have put is the Gnostics say, mm-hmm. because that's exactly where this comes from. In the Gospel of Judas, a second century writing, Judas is considered the greatest disciple. Why? Is Judas the greatest disciple in the Gospel of Judas? Well, in the Gospel of Judas, Judas 
sees how Jesus laughs at the disciples for doing things like praying and taking communion and laughs at them for how lowly their worship is. But Judas was the greatest of the disciples, according to the Gospel of Judas, which was written in the second century, and Judas had nothing to do with writing it. But nonetheless, Judas is the greatest disciple because of the esoteric nature of Jesus' teaching and the fact that he alone was the one who could understand the esoteric nature of Jesus' teaching. What does that sound like to you guys? The secret gnosis. This is secret nonsense. (laughs) Okay? And it's true. Judas, in the Gospel of Judas, proclaims to know who Jesus truly is and where he is from. Quote, he knows that Jesus is from, quote, the immortal realm of Barbello. Who is Barbello? Barbello is a deity in Sethian Gnosticism. (laughs) This is not, how are we getting any information from this second century false gospel talking about Barbello, the divine mother of all? Guys, this is where the information that Judas really was also a sacrificial lamb. He sacrificed everything in order for, guess what? Your salvation. So Judas sacrifices just as much as Jesus. (laughs) It's just incredible. It's incredible. Guys, Judas, according to the Gospel of Judas, Jesus tells Judas that he will sacrifice, that he will sacrifice, Judas will, more than any of the other disciples. Judas knows that the other disciples are worshiping a false god and observing the Eucharist, which is wasting time and inferior to coming to the Gnosis. Now, guys, and this is this is my, that's from my own readings, but here is even, you can go on Wikipedia, and this is what it says specifically concerning the Gospel of Judas. In contrast to the canonical Gospels, which point Judas as a betrayer who delivered Jesus to the authorities, for a crucifixion in exchange for money, the Gospel of Judas portrays Judas's actions as done in obedience to instructions given to him by Jesus of Nazareth. It asserts that the other disciples had not learned the true gospel, the Gnosis gospel, by the way, which Jesus taught only to Judas Iscariot, the sole follower belonging to the holy generation among the disciples. Now, just so you know, in the intro of the Gospel of Judas, it literally talks about the secret. <laughs> I'm, that It's going to tell you about the secret things. Now, here is our main issue. One, what does a second century writing tell us that, especially when it counteracts, that which has already been stated by the very people that were there? Because this Judas Gospel is false. It's fake. It's phony. It can give us nothing and add nothing to us. Here's the thing. We have the writings of the apostles or the teachings of the apostles in terms of the writing of Mark, which was seen in the early church and in history. I think everyone would say that is Peter's gospel ultimately written down by Mark, Luke being Paul's, more of an investigative report on the on the 
gospel. What do they say about Judas? I think that is going to be much more important than a pseudobiographical, a fake named book by someone to lend itself credibility with nothing but Gnostic weirdoisms. All right? We need to look at these things and say, some say, who are the some? The some are the Gnostics. The church's biggest threat early on, you had the Judaizers, the Docetists, which turned into the Gnostics, and so forth. These are the biggest, the biggest threats to the early church. And so, here we are. We're going to listen to them. Some say, I don't care what the Gnostics say. Guess what? I do not care what the Muslims say about Isa in their Quran. Because it's not true if it contradicts that which has already been established in Scripture. And so what do the apostles say about Judas? Here's Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Here's what it says. I'm going to give you the account of all three of the synoptic gospels, what they say concerning, and I'll read through and explain all the apostles and then show you how it leads him to last. So I'll read the whole thing through from Matthew, and then I'll just put in what Mark and Luke add as commentary for Judas. It says, now the names of the 12 apostles are these, the first Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew his brother, and James the son of Zebedee, and John his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew the tax collector, James the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, Simon the zealot, and Judas Iscariot. Matthew 10, verse 4, and Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed him. <laughs> okay? Mark 13, 9, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Luke 6, 16, Judas the son of James, and Judas Iscariot. Who, betray, who became a traitor. The Synoptic Gospels, all three, emphatically explain to us that Judas is a traitor when they mention him. In fact, it's a caveat out of the rest of the text to explain that Judas is a traitor. Where should we get our information? When we say who some say, Let's not get our information from Gnostics. Let's get our information from the best sources. The best sources, the ones who are actually there say, is what we should say. Not these things that came 200 years after Jesus happened to say this. Or not, not 200 years, probably 190, 160 years or so after Jesus. I don't care what they say. They offer me nothing in terms of value unless they appeal back to what has already been clearly stated. This has been clearly stated, these biographies. Why did Luke write his biography? He tells us quite clearly he wrote it for the fact for you to know the truth of everything that has been written. All that has been written about Jesus, whether you're talking about the Q document or you're talking about the Gospels that came before him, Matthew and Mark specifically, whether you're talking about these documents, he wants to make sure that what you have heard about Jesus, that you would know that it's true. So he investigates it, right? 
and he teaches as a chronological order of the gospel. Unlike Mark's gospel, it's very different, right? Some people believe that Mark's gospel is a sermon by Peter written down by Mark. Or memoirs of him writing down different stories about uh, that, that Peter had told him and then eventually putting it together as one book. But either way, regardless, we should get our information from what the gospels say because they're the best account about what actually happened. Even if I'm not even talking about the fact that they are literally inspired by God, just off the fact that what they are as the earliest documentation of who Jesus is, this is why we should go back to them for what it says concerning Judas. But let's get a little bit deeper into the narrative because Judas, not only does it warn you over and over again, the same writers that you're getting the real information about Judas, remember that. We are getting this information from them. Are we then going to say that they're wrong about that information, but that are right about everything else? Think about that. That's what I mean is that we check our brains at the door, that I'm going to read through this text and be like, I'm going to add in this esoteric knowledge from two centuries later into the text that was already revealed when already revealed quite clearly without with distinction, actually, specifically to make it distinct over and over again by every one of the apostles that he's a traitor, that he betrayed Jesus. We haven't even gotten into his ultimate fate and what would take place, what Jesus said of Judas, because it is really important for us to understand that logically, logically, this makes no sense it makes absolutely no sense to take the words at some point where Jesus is talking, take the words at some point from the Gospels, and then say, I believe these parts, but when I want to, I'm going to read through the Gospel of Judas to narrate... <laughs> to narrate the rest of the Gospel. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of ridiculous, don't you think? And we got we to gotta make sure, guys, I, I think this is really important to bring out. Um, we have to understand that we want to explain this to people so that they recognize the folly in their argument or they recognize the folly in this line of thinking. Now, I, I will say this before I get into the rest of what the Bible says specifically about Judas, because I want to talk about that. Before I even get into that, one of the things that happens in this little discussion they had, and a lot of people were following it and, and tweeting and, and, and liking and so forth, one of the things that gets brought up is God's knowledge, right? And I don't want to get too deep into the weeds here concerning the things that which Jesus knew. Specifically, if we just look at the first communion service, we look at the Passover uh, see that Jesus gives right in John fourteen through sixteen. Jesus was Jesus knew who was going to be betray, betray him. Right, this was one of the things that he did know. There were things I think that specifically when it comes to Jesus in the hypostatic union, becoming a man and taking on the form of a man, there were certain things that he limited his knowledge of on purpose. He literally did that out of his own will. But I do believe he was able to access that knowledge, if need be, at any time. He was never not eternally God. So when it comes to this situation, he actually did have the knowledge 
that it was going to be Judas. But yet Judas himself, because he did choose to do all of these things, his own will was to do these things, he still has to pay for his actions even if Jesus is the one that knew he would ultimately do it. You have to think about that. Jesus was fully aware, especially he he shows all the disciples which one it is, right, who's going to betray him. Well, he doesn't show, they, if they ask and he shows them, right, which one he's going to betray him, he knows who it is. But the fact is, that Jesus, knowing that Judas would do that, doesn't make it Jesus' fault that he did. He is still culpable for his actions. God allowed him to be in that place, in that position, and do those things, and yet he's still culpable for the actions that he chose to do. And so we need to look at that and recognize that and understand that. And I think this has to do a little bit uh, with God's foreknowledge as well as also, when we look at things and understand agency versus causation, knowing that an event takes place does not mean you necessarily made that event take place. Okay, so let me just get back a little bit to Judas, all right? In Mark chapter 14, verse 21, if you want to know quite clearly just about his salvation, okay, it says this, for the Son of Man is going away just as it is risen about him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had not been born. All right, I think that if that was the only verse I read, all right, those are the words of Jesus. Over Mark calls him the betrayer when it lists him as the Judas Iscariot, as one of the disciples, he says he would be the one to betray him. Jesus said it'd be better that he was never born. Okay? So these things are really, really important for us to understand. So we make sure we have all this stuff in our back pocket. So when these questions happen, so if Ronnie Staley is somebody who does love the Lord and he's trying to learn, he's like, hey, I've been hearing these things, but how does this all work? How does it work with foreknowledge, all this stuff? We need to be able, and, and he's just one person out of a million people who may have problems with these things that we need to be as brothers and sisters in Christ able to answer them and say, no, that's just not how that works. That's not what the Bible says. We want to go back to what do the, what do the, what did the disciples say about Jesus and what were Jesus' own words on the subject? So here is this. Don't think that this one act was the only time where Judas was showing his character. John chapter 12 actually tells us something else. It says, but Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples who was intending to betray him, once again, it mentions him, mentions that he's a betrayer, said, why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor people? Now, he said this not because he was concerned about the poor, but because he was a thief. And as he had the money box, he used to pilfer what was put into it. Judas was already being a dirtbag, okay? <laughs> Let's just call it what it is. And he was already like, hey, what about the poor? And isn't it funny? I find this really funny as in ironic, interesting. This line is used over and over against ministers of the gospel. Is it not? This line is used over and over again. Why are you doing this when you could do this? Right? As if Paul didn't address that explicitly, very clearly, about the body of Christ. Why are why do you care about sharing the gospel with this people during in this way when you can do it this way? Why don't you put your money to this when you can put it to this? Over and over again. 
why are you going to this country when you can do it out the door? I'm like, well, we do do it out the door and we do go to that country. Well, then why aren't you doing it this way? And why aren't you doing this? fallacy. Yep. The false dilemma. Tony knows it's my favorite one. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) And it's, well, why don't you pray for them? Uh, Well, we do pray for them. And yet we still expose them because we love them and the people that follow them. Well, why do you put your money and resources into sharing the gospel on radio when you could do it on the streets? Well, we do share it on the streets and we share it on the radio, right? And and it's just this whole thing because what I, it's always what is your real intent in asking that question? Now, sometimes you could just be fooled. Yeah, why don't we put more money this way or this way? Well, this is what the Lord has called this person to do. The hand can't say to the foot, I have no use of you, right? This is why it's addressed specifically. But I just found that interesting. But that's what John has to say. That's what Luke, that's what Mark have to say. Which if you ask me, I believe that's what Peter, Paul, Matthew, and John all have to say. But what did David have to say <laughs> about Judas? Psalm 41.9, even my close friend whom I trusted, who, I, who ate my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. You have it up, don't you, yep. Tony? You were ready for it. I already had it up, yep. <laughs> John 13.18, I do not speak of all of you. I know the one who I have chosen. But it is that the scripture may be fulfilled. He who eats my bread has lifted up his heel against me. John 13, 8, specifically talking about Judas. And in John 13, 26, it says this, Jesus then answered, that is the one from whom I shall dip the morsel and give it to him. So when he had dipped the morsel, he took it and gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. Guys, without a doubt, Judas is not saved Jesus didn't say it'd be better if he'd never been born because he ultimately got salvation. Because if it was just struggles during this life, okay, Lazarus had plenty, right? But then he was in the bliss in Abraham's bosom, and now he's now with the presence in the presence of the Father, right? So we look at this and we see these texts and we say, wait a second. And I and I don't believe it's on accident. I don't have the text up up here, but in Proverbs you have two back to back verses, and it's not that they're contradictory. Answer a fool according to his folly. And then the other one says, do not answer a fool according to his folly. I believe there are two different Hebrew words, but I, I, I feel bad saying this without fact-checking, and I might have Tony have to do it later. But I believe one of those cases is someone that would not think themselves wise in their own eyes, in their own estimation. Because you do not want a simple one thinking themselves wise in their own estimation. So you give them an answer according to that folly. So you answer them according to that folly so that they don't think, oh yeah, this is a great idea. This is a good philosophy. And you say, no, 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 that's actually not correct. This comes from Gnostic sources in the second century. Okay, over a hundred years after the fact of all these things happening, over a hundred years after all the gospels had already been written. So we don't need to then take that and look through that lens in order to understand what was already written in the biographies of Jesus. Okay, we don't need to do that. And they all, the same people that you're trusting the words of Jesus about, call him a betrayer. And the same ones who wrote those Gospels explain very clearly that Jesus said it'd be better than never been born. The same ones quote hundreds of years, a verse specific to betraying, a messianic verse of what the betrayer would look like. Not even get into the Zechariah text and the 30 pieces of silver and all that stuff, because that stuff's really interesting if you guys check it out. Um, but but nonetheless, this is so important for us to understand and that they make it so clear, and we need to be able to answer it. This isn't the next, the very next verse. It says, do not answer a fool according to his folly, because why? You'll become like him, right? There are those that you will engage with that are simply there for debate. 
I believe they're the people that Jesus said, you're throwing your pearls before swine. And don't get me wrong, we all mess up, and I've been in those conversations plenty of times and go, wait, Lord, did I just spend my time with a time waster when I could have been sharing the gospel with someone else? Be discerning, but also, guys, let's pay attention to these things because it's in, more people will be, will go towards these things and will talk about these things and be excited about information that's different because they're getting secret knowledge, right? They have secret knowledge that's better than the knowledge you're finding in the Bible. I found knowledge that's better. And I think um, even this guy, Ronnie Steely, uh, later in this in this uh, exchange, he's like, yeah, I think I figured it out. And he's like, no. <laughs> and he's <laughs> like, even if Jesus knew, I think I figured it out. So I thought that was cool. But I, I thought it was a great place for us to look at these things, check on them, and say, wait a second. Judas didn't have some esoteric knowledge. He wasn't the greatest disciple. The Bible's very clear, and we can trust it. We know the sources. We know they were there with him. And most of all, we know very clearly that it's the Word of God. Amen. You've been listening to the Good Fight Radio Show brought to you by Good Fight Ministries. If you're blessed by this show and would like to partner with us, please consider visiting our Patreon page at patreon.com goodfight. Or you can write to us at P.O. Box 2202, Simi Valley, California, 93062. Or call us toll-free at 1-866-JC-TRUTH. That's 1-866-528-7884. We hope you'll tune in next time on the Good Fight Radio Show.